you know, their misery, their resolution. I talked about a lot of things, so it's pretty amazing. Um, and it's about two women who aren't in conflict. Yay! <laughs> when there's two women in the Bible, how many times are they in conflict? You know, it's like, uh, like uh, you know, Abraham's wife, uh, Sarah, and her handmaiden who, you know, hated each other because, you know, <laughs> they both had babies with the same guy. Uh, <laughs> same thing with Paniah and, and um, oh, right. Uh, Paniah and the wife of uh, thank you, Hannah. Thank you, sorry, Hannah and Paniah. You know, they were married to the same guy. That is really, really, guys, seriously. Can you imagine having another woman in your house? That would be pretty difficult. It's bad enough we're just having me there. My <laughs> 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 poor husband sometimes. <laughs> um, but they're not in conflict. They actually love each other. And, um, and it shows a, an amazing love between two women. The main theme is redemption, uh, which is why we're studying it right after our retreat on, on being redeemed. Um, I don't know how many of you, well, I know how many of you came because I see your faces that came to a retreat. It was an awesome retreat, and it's all about God's redemption. So tell me, what is redemption? Redemption, the word redemption, or some form of redemption, appears 23 times in the book of Ruth. So, um, it's a, a lot about redemption. It's, it was a, a book, actually, that was written, in, and the, the thought is is that it was actually told as a story over and over until someone finally wrote it down in, in writing. And so, the storytellers would tell it every year at the time of the barley harvest, which is when... Naomi actually returned back to um, Bethlehem was at the beginning of the barley harvest. And so that's when they would read it. The theme, of course, is God is sovereign king, and he um, gives mercy to all, especially those who are suffering, and he redeems them. So what does redemption mean? Anybody want to give a stab at it? Forgiven. It's what? Forgiven? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anything else? Freedom. So it's like to buy back, right? To get back or to win back, um, to free from what harms you or oppresses you, um, and to free from captivity by payment of a ransom, which is what God did for us, right? What Jesus did for us, He freed us by paying a ransom. And we're going to be talking about that in Ruth, but, but we're going to start um, the story. And I love the beginning of the story. So you guys turn to Ruth, uh, the first chapter of Ruth. And we're going to start with uh, one. It's always the best place to start. Uh, however, it, it says, I love this beginning because it says, in the days when the judges ruled. Does that not start like sound like the beginning of a movie? <laughs> right? Doesn't it sound like Lord of the Rings or something? In the day when the judges ruled. It just sounds like this setting that you're setting, you know, that, that it's, um, it's talking about. It's setting the scene. So what were the day of the judges? Well, basically, the day of the judges was the Iron Age. It was between um, 1375 and 1050 B.C. So it was between when the Israelites, remember the Israelites went through, wandered the desert for 40 years and finally got to the promised land, right? So it's between when they got to the promised land to when they got their first king. That's when the judges were. So it's between the promised land, getting to the promised land, and getting their first king, which was Saul, right? 
Okay, so that's what the uh, days of the judges were. Israel was just sort of like these group of tribes, right? They weren't like united completely, but they weren't totally separated, so they were sort of united group of tribes. They would, and what's the cycle? <laughs> so much like our cycle, right? They would like rebel against God. They would get taken over by another country and oppressed. They would get cry out to God and say, please help us, help us, we're tired of being oppressed. And then God would step in and help them. And then they would start over again, rebelling against God. Um, they did this like six times in the book of Judges, which is the book right before Ruth is the book of Judges. This, this horrible cycle. And there's 13 different judges mentioned in, in the book of Judges. And interestingly enough, one of them is a woman who's Deborah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. But there are 13 judges. And what they did, what happened was, is when they were all oppressed, God would call out a judge who would come and help, res and help rescue them. And it would either be a military leader or some type of leader that would come forth and uh, help rescue the Israelites and bring them back to God. So there's these six cycles. And I, I like the way that it's summed up in the last verse of, of Judges, which is the verse right before book one, which says, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. That pretty, sum, pretty much sums it up, huh? Does that sound familiar? <laughs> Does it sound familiar at all? Yes. I, you know, I mean, what are we doing today, right? What is America doing today? It's kind of everybody does as they see fit, right? Um, they think that it's okay to do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. And there should be nobody arguing with you about that. But it didn't, it didn't set, it didn't go very well for Israel because they kept getting oppressed by foreign nations taking over. You know, it's like what happened in Egypt, right? Same thing. And you would think they would learn, right? And we say, oh my goodness, if that, you know, if God did that, He parted the Red Sea, He did all these miracles in the daytime. There was, you know, the cloud they followed, and at night there was a fire. And Moses comes down, and his light faces all aglow with God's glory. Oh man, you know, why, what's their problem? Why wouldn't they follow God? But then I have to ask myself, what has God done for me? And, you know, and what has he done for you? And how do we still tend to sometimes go our own way? Yeah. Even though we still see miracles, I've seen miracles in my own life. I've seen miracles in lots of people, lots of you guys' life, too. And still sometimes we choose not to continue moving forward and doing what he called us to do. So what happened was a famine struck the land. Right here it says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So, um, you know, hard times, the idea, what they did for Israel, too, are they're supposed to redirect us and redefine us, right? I mean, most of the time, if you think about your life, um, when are you closest to God? Or at least when are you crying out in desperation to Him? Let's put it that way. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, when we are, when things are bad, when we just don't know which way to turn. Sometimes that is when we feel closest to God. That's when we really cry out in desperation to Him. We're clinging to heaven. And nothing else matters, right? Nothing else matters. So um, this is what happened. A famine struck the land. And it says, And a man from Bethlehem in Judea, I think I have a picture of the map. Is there a map back there? Maybe. There it is, sort of. Can you see it, guys? 
so here's Bethlehem. Do you see where Bethlehem is? What else do we know Bethlehem for? Jesus, that's right. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Uh, that was a huge Baptist. Uh, <laughs> um, and also, actually, it's where uh, King David too. But Bethlehem is um, where they were. And they, it says right here in verse 1, together with his wife and two sons went to live for a while in the country of Moab. I love this because it says they went to live for a while. It's pretty nebulous, mm -hmm. isn't it? Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't say that God called them out. You know how he called Abraham out? Mm -hmm. He said, come on, come out. I'm going to take you somewhere. It just said that they were like, oh, my gosh, I'm hungry. There's a famine. I'm leaving. Now, I find it interesting that they chose to go to Moab. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about Moab and why I think it's kind of interesting. And if you'll turn over a little back just a little bit to Genesis 19. We're going to learn a little bit about Moab because I think it's important to understand the background of Ruth and her people. You know, all these countries are named after a, a, a person, right, that later, of course, had lots of babies and grew up to be the people that lived there. Um, so if you look at verse 30, it says, Lot and his two daughters left Zoar and settled in the mountains. This was after Lot, remember, when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And so Lot and his wife fled, but his wife turned around and looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. But Lot and his daughters kept running, and they ran into the mountains. And this is after they settled in the mountains. And he and his two daughters lived in a cave. Well, one day the older daughter said to the younger, Our father's old. There's no man around here to lie with us, as is the custom all over the earth. Let's get our father drunk with wine and lie with him and preserve our family line through our father. That night, they got their father drunk with wine. The older daughter went in and lay with him. He wasn't aware when she lay down or when she got up. The next day, the younger daughter said, I did it, you go do it. And um, got him drunk again. Went in. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> she did it too. And verse 36 said, well, they both became pregnant by their father. That's incest, ladies. Even yeah, then it was. My mother the Bible The older daughter had a son, and guess what his name was? Moab. There you go. So Moab, the Moab people, were the result of incest with Lot and his daughter. That's how they got started. Uh, and if you turn over to Numbers 25, I'm going to read a little bit more about them. You know, having a bad beginning isn't that bad, but if you continue in your bit badness, <laughs> your badness is like, that's not good. Uh, no, number 25. Who has one? One, two, three. Did Abraham had taken another wife whose name was Petura. Are you in Numbers 25? Numbers? Yeah, I'm sorry. That's okay. That's all right. No problem. You got it? I will read, but I can't pronounce all these names. We'll just skip the name. Don't even skip them. All right. Well, as you're always saying in Shigam, the men began to indulge in sexual immorality with Moabite women. 
who invited them to the sacrifices to their gods. The people ate and bowed down before these gods. So Israel joined in worshiping the Baal of Peor, and the Lord's anger burned against them. Right. So now the women of Moab later are uh, enticing the Israelites to um, lay with them, which is, by the way, against the law, right? The Israelites weren't supposed to intermarry with other races or religions. And this is the reason, (laughs) because they entice them to worship their gods and to follow after another god, not the god of Israel. And so uh, these are the Moabites as well. So these are the Moabite women, and they all had other gods. And then in, in Deuteronomy 23, 3 through 4, it also says that no Ammonite or Moabite, by the way, the Ammonites are the the other son from the other daughter of Lot, was was named Ammon. And he, and those people became the Ammonites, which you can, here's Moab, and you can't see up it. There. Oh, up there. Yeah. So those are the two sons of Lot and his daughters. And uh, Deuteronomy 23, 3 says, No Ammonite or Moabite or any of his descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, uh, the assembly of the Lord, even down to the tenth generation. For they did not come to meet you with bread and water on your way when you came out of Egypt. And they hired Balaam, son of Beor, uh, to pronounce a curse on you. So not only did they not help the Israelites when they were coming out of Egypt, they also hired someone to say, Curse them so that we'll win and they'll lose. And the story of Balaam is, is that he wouldn't do that because he's like, I can't do that. And so, um, and that Balaam is the guy that the donkey talked to. <laughs> he was riding his donkey to go do it, and the donkey's like, I'm not going there because I can see that angel of the Lord. <laughs> and uh, that's the story of Balaam. But, so the Moabites, here they are. They, they First of all, they're born from an institutionist relationship. Their, their people decided to chase after other gods. Then they didn't even help the Israelites when they needed bread, food, water when they were going through escaping from Egypt. So that's where that's where um, this family escaped to was Moab. So as you can imagine, it's not exactly the number one vacation spot for the Israelites. Right? Is <laughs> to go to Moab. So why they picked that? Probably because it was like, oh guess what? They have food there. Or they, they have great land. But sometimes doesn't it look better on the other side, mm-hmm. right? Even that though that's not the good place to be and that's not where we should go, it still seems like, wow, it looks really nice and lots of fruit over there and lots of good things to do. But then once you get there, mm-hmm. oh, wow. Right, and then we're going to see what happens to uh, Naomi and her husband. So who? So that's when was the days of Judah. Judges, excuse me, did you guys get all that? Okay. From 1375 to 1050 BC. Uh, 1375 to 1050. You do it backwards in BC, right? And then who wrote Ruth? Well, really, nobody knows who wrote Ruth, to be honest with you. Uh, some people think that Samuel wrote Ruth. But other people say that, well, how could Samuel re- really write Ruth because it like ends, Ruth ends with King David, and King David wasn't King David before Samuel died. So there's some, you know, there's no, nobody knows who wrote it. And where did it take place? Well, that's what we just learned about. It took place in Bethlehem. That's where they started out, right? And then they went to Moab. 
Now, the main characters. Uh, here we get into the nitty gritty of the story. Great. Okay. So the man's name was Elimelech. And Elimelech, by the way, guys, means my God is king. Oh, you want to say that again, please? Uh, it's written down on your piece of paper, Elimelech. That's the father of the family. Okay, gotcha. See it? And it means my God is king. Now, can you imagine having a baby and naming him my God is king? That's like an amazing name, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That's like that's like my God is king. Praise God, I have this amazing son. Well, this is about all we hear about Elimelech. He was Naomi's husband and he died. <laughs> but he did make a pretty bad decision to pick up his family and go to Moab, right? I mean, that was not the best decision for him to make. It seems as if he wasn't really trusting his God at that time. Um, Naomi, I like this, it means pleasant, delight, sweetness. And that was his wife's name. And he had two sons. So, Malon, and forgive me if I'm mispronouncing these if anybody knows Hebrew, but <laughs> Malon, you know what that means? Weakling, sickness, infertility. Not exactly the best name to name your kid when he's born. <laughs> he's a weakling. Awesome. Um, <laughs> maybe he was weak when he was born. You know, maybe he was sickly. Um, and then Killian is means is like also sickly, perishing, consumptive, pining. Those aren't really great names either. But. So those were the two sons. So they went to Moab and lived there, and it doesn't really, see how they repeated it? I love it, because it, it, you know, you need to get something when it says it, right? They said they went to live for a while in the country of Moab. There's no beginning, I mean, there's no end to it. They went to live for a while. It makes it sound like, oh, we'll be there for a couple of years. You ever gone somewhere for a couple of years? Say, I moved to Las Vegas, they cannot be there for a couple of years, and then I'm out of here. That was uh, in 1985. <laughs> <laughs> so you just can't go somewhere uh, unless, you're planning on staying there for a while, right? I mean, you don't know what's going to happen once you get there. And then it says, so they went, and then they lived there. So then um, um, Elimelech died. Now, we don't know how long he was there before he died, but she was left with her two sons, which is a good thing, because sons take care of their moms really well back in those days. And then they married Moabite women. Mm. So you guys know, and I already said it before, is that you're not supposed to marry outside of the Jewish faith. That was like a big, huge no-no. God told them, don't do it. And the reason he told them not to do it is because you do it, you, inter you intermix with them, then you're going to start seeking after their gods and follow their gods. And their gods, as we've already looked at, were not good gods. Kamash was one of their names of their gods. And their god did things like, they like sacrificed babies to them and did really awful things. So, um, you know, that's why God said, they'll turn your heart. They'll turn your heart to other gods. But for some reason, Naomi, I don't, I, I don't know why Naomi didn't just say, okay, let's get up and go back home now. 
before you get you know totally entrenched in this uh, in this society but evidently they married Moabite women one was named Orpha and the other Ruth so Orpha is actually people don't really know what it means but they think it means stiff-necked one and in a little bit you'll see why and then Ruth has all these nice names. It means faithful friend and to drink one's fill or lady's friend. That's kind of interesting. Uh, or the act of seeing. Sight. Sight. That's what Ruth means. So they got married and then they lived there about 10 years. Okay, so they're married and they're married for 10 years. Well, guys, in our society, being married for 10 years with no children is like, oh well, right? I mean, people do that, it happens. Uh, in this society, that means they were infertile. You know, it means that they were not, um, for even in the Moab society, you, one of the main functions of being married is to have children, right? For, for them and so they um, didn't they didn't have children after 10 years that means that they something was going on what that means or, or something wasn't <laughs> <laughs> then what happens both Malin and Killian died well since both of them were named sickly maybe they were just sick you know maybe they had, and I mean seriously they both were named sickly maybe they were just sickly and they were unable to reproduce for whatever reason, but then they died. Now, ladies, I don't know how many of you have children, but I can guarantee you that that has to be like the worst thing that could ever happen is for your child to die before you. And not only did her husband die in this foreign land, but now both of her sons are gone. And it was even worse then. They didn't have Medicaid or Medicare. <laughs> they didn't have welfare. You know, they didn't have food stamps or WIC or anything like that. Um, if you were poor and no one took care of you, then you were left up to either another relative had to take care of you, um, or you were just very poor. I mean, they made some allowances, which we'll learn about later in Ruth, like so they let the poor people, you know, go behind the everybody that's threshing and pick up whatever little bit was left of the grain and take that home with them. Um, but you really needed a male protector of some type, of some relative. And so here's Naomi in a foreign land without any relatives, basically. And so now, I really like this because it's then she said, when she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of the people by providing food. I really wonder if there was really a famine that long or was it just that Naomi was willing to listen now? You know, again, when bad times happen, aren't we like much ready, much more easily, for me at least, to run to the feet of Jesus and throw myself down and say, help me, help me, help me, and listen to what he has to say instead of going kind of my merry way and doing what I think I need to do. But when I get to the point of desperation, then I stop and listen. And so sometimes I wonder, was Naomi just not listening? And this, this statement right here also reminds me of the, you know, the son that went, took his inheritance, went and spoiled it all and was in the pig's pen. 
and suddenly when he got to his lowest low, he stopped and he started thinking, what am I doing in the you know? Everybody has a place where they reach their lowest low. And when they reach that, they often reach out to Jesus. And that's what this whole cycle with the judges were, with the children of Israel, you know, they would be going all the merry way, having a great time with all the gods, and then someone would little G gods, and then someone would come in and make them slaves and, and abuse them, and then suddenly it's like, oh my goodness, now I'm thinking about God and I'm reaching out to God. So obviously our I think what we need to do, obviously, is reach out to him in every situation, right? Good or bad. Um, but I think that Naomi really started listening. That's what I think. She says, oh, now, God, you know, the Lord's helping them because now they have food in Judah. They have food. So I also find this interesting because it says, Naomi and her daughter-in-law prepared to return home from there. Now, it's really interesting that she gets her daughters-in-law and says, okay, let's get packed up. I don't know how much they had stuff they had back then, probably not that much, probably as much as they could carry on their back. But she says, okay, guys, let's go. We're going to go home to Judah. We're going to go back to my land. We're going to go back to my people. And um, so then they left, and they started going down the road. Well, suddenly, she has a change of heart, right? I mean, what do you think happened? Do you have any ideas what happened? It's too long. Are we there? Yeah. <laughs> I have to go potty. Yeah. <laughs> My knees hurt. <laughs> My knees hurt. <laughs> right. Maybe they did start complaining. You know, or uh, you know, they're they're they, she gets them all packed. It's kind of like getting your house all ready to go, right? You get it all in the moving van. You get in the moving van. You start driving down the road, and then suddenly you screech on screech on your brakes, like the driver does, and says. Hey guys, you know what? I think you need to go back home. So for whatever reason, either she felt like the way was getting too hard, she started having second thoughts. She's like, how am I going to take care of my own self, much less two daughter-in-laws? You know, maybe she was thinking that. I can't even take care of myself. When I get home, I don't even know what I'm going to find. Is there even going to be anybody left there that I know? Is there even going to be somebody that will take care of me and take me in? And then how, how are they going to take me in if I also have this other people behind me coming with me? How can they take us all in and take care of us? Maybe she was just feeling sorry for herself and didn't want anybody. Right. I'm just going to isolate completely. I don't need anybody. So I'll just bring you down with me. I think that may be right. It's interesting because what she starts saying here is go back, each of you, to your mother's home. Interesting, she doesn't say to her father's home. She says to her mother's home which is different because most of the time it's go to your father's home, you know, in this culture. But she's saying mother's home, maybe because your mother's home, you feel like you have more perhaps like, you know, comfort. You know what I mean? If we say go back to your mommy, you know, it's supposed to be like, you know, more comfortable. Um, but she says go back. And it's interesting this whole time, guys, that, that here we go. We're going to be talking about this. But... Um, there are, the word in Hebrew sounds like shove. It's shove, S-H-U-V-B. It sounds like shove. She says it like 12 times in a row. 12 times in a row. Go back. It means turning back. Go back, turn back, brought back, return home. And in the Old Testament, it means, it's the same word for turning back to God's covenant, grace, and mercy for repentance and for conversion. So you can imagine when they're telling this story, 
right? If they're saying the same thing over and over again, I think that at once I said, I always say, you know, if God keeps saying the same thing over and over and over again, he's probably trying to get a message to you. So he's telling them, she says, go back each day to your mother's home, and the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. So that tells us a little bit about them, right? About the two daughter-in-laws. She, they, they're kind. The word for Hebrew word for that is hesed, G-S-E-D, which means goodness and loyalty and kindness and loving kindness. So they actually had showed kindness to their husbands. That's what this says, right? And also showed kindness to her. So at least this says something good about them. Um, so then basically what she said is, may the Lord grant that you find rest in the home of another husband. So she was really giving them a blessing. She was blessing them and saying, hopefully you'll find comfort with another man. And they were like going, no, no. You know, they're crying and wailing. They're in the middle of the road. Everybody's walking around them. <laughs> and they're having this scene um, because they love her. So she must have been a pretty good mother-in-law. Anybody else feel that way about your mother-in-law? <laughs> Some people do. Oh, I can't see it being no here. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, she was a good mother-in-law, and they loved each other very much because they didn't want to leave her. But she keeps telling them, go back, go back, go back, right? Go back, go back, go back. Um, maybe you'll get another husband. Now, I want to explain this to you because it's like, what is she talking about when she says, am I going to have more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I had another husband, by the time they got to be, you know, 15 years now, you'd be old. Uh, and they wouldn't want to marry you anyway. <laughs> so, but back then, it, they, what they had was called the Leverite. Whatever that means. But what it means is, it's actually, I do know what it means. It means that, um, it's a Latin word, and what it, what it means is that what happens is if you were married to someone and you didn't have a baby and your husband died, then that person's brother had to marry you and have a baby with you, and that baby was the dead brother's heir. So in other words, it's all about inheritance, right? It's all about inheritance. So you had this plot of land. It was always the males, right? And so it was your brother's whatever his name is, Maywan, whatever. In this case, it's Elimelech. But it was his land. And so if he dies, then his brother has the responsibility for marrying you, having a baby with you, and giving the land to him. He doesn't even get to keep the land. It's his brother's kid's land. And in fact, that brother's kid is really his, the brother's child, like the brother's child. Does that all make sense? Yes. Okay. So that's what she's talking about. So she's saying, yeah, I, I would have to go back and have more kids because those would be the brothers to my other kids, right? And then they could they could give you their inheritance, but but that's not going to happen. I'm old and you're older, and by the time I, even if I did have more kids, you know, it would be 15 what years. What if they were a female? Uh-oh. <laughs> Sorry. And you have to find some male Lost kids. Yeah. Exactly. She can just have girls. <laughs> wait all those times. Wait all that time. She has girls. You're right. So that's what that's all about. And then I think it's really important to look at verse 13 because she says, now she's whining for sure. She says, it's more bitter for me than for you. But then she says, because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. And basically what that means is the Lord has raised his fist against me. 
So now, here she is at her lowest low, right at the bottom of the barrel, and what is she saying? She's saying God lifted his fist towards her. Well, guys, I don't know if you've ever been in a low place, but unless you're in it right now, let's look back at that low place, okay? And let's say, what happened with that? What did you learn from it? What did God do through it? Anything? Never left me. Just don't see it when you're a camera. That situation. Amen. Right. And it actually makes you a better person in the end, doesn't it? It refines us once again. It teaches us. It refines us. It makes us more of who we are. Yes. I mean, if you don't have bad times, how do you know what good times are? If we don't know where, you know, I mean, so Naomi is saying, wow, I'm like at the lowest low and God just is beating me up. He's beating me up. He let raised his fist against me. Not being able to see. And isn't it true that sometimes when we're in those places that it's really hard to see? Yes. It's really hard to see. It's really hard to think that there's some good for this. And you really don't want someone up coming up to you and going, oh, God will work it out for good. Because <laughs> what you want to say is, <laughs> how am I going to make it? How am I going to make it through this? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? So then it's like, okay, now they're weeping again, right? And so what happens now? Orpa, Orpa, by the way, I'm going to say that, that um, the stiff neck, the, that means stiff necked, right? P perhaps. They really don't know what it means. But she says, okay, um, I'm listening to you. I am going to go back, and maybe I will get a husband, and I'm going to go back to my gods and everything I know, and I'm going to stay there. Um, bad choice. We never hear about her again in the whole Bible, right? She's gone. She's gone. Huh? She's there. Yeah. <laughs> when God says come back, yeah. No stiff neckness, ladies. No stiff neckness. We need to turn around and run. Run, right? Run right into his arms. That's what we need to do. So that's that. Then what happens? Ruth is clinging to her. Clinging to her. And Naomi's like going, okay, look, look, your sister in law went. Go, go, go. Let go of me. Go. Right? Go. Again. Once again. Go back. Go back. Go back. Shove. 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 And what does Ruth say? Ruth says, but. Ruth replied. But. Ruth replied. So, what happens when we say but? She's like, right? She's saying, wait a minute. Stop. 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 Mm. Then she made seven proclamations. I love these proclamations. They were in my wedding. I've been married for 27 years, and I use these 27 years ago. A lot of people use this in their wedding, right? This is one of the most repeated things in the whole book, and Ruth said it. Now, Ruth doesn't talk much, actually, in the book of Ruth, even though it's called after her. She doesn't talk a lot, but this is like her longest little lecture right here. She says, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. And then she says, where you go, I will go. Where you go, I will go. Do you think that Ruth had any idea where they were going? 
No. I mean, certainly Naomi may have told her about Bethlehem and told her about the people of Israel and, and showed her, obviously showed her who God was. But do you think that Ruth really knew where we were going? No. I think the Holy Spirit touched her. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so she's saying, where you go, I'll go. Without hesitation. Mm -hmm. Without knowing where she's going. Without saying, how many steps ahead of me are we going? You know, what is it going to look like over there? Now, we need to learn a big lesson from this, guys, because when God says go, you need to go. Amen. You need to go. You don't need to ask, where are we going? What's it going to look like? What's the next step? How are we going to do this? Why are you doing this exactly? Why are you doing this? What's going to happen after it happens? You just go. 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 Because don't you find, like, when you hesitate, it's a lot harder to go. <laughs> it is for me. When I hesitate, when God says do something, and I'm, like, hesitating, thinking, is that really what you said? Do you really want me to do that? <laughs> then I kind of talk myself out of it, right? But if God says go, and you know it's God, get up off your bottoms, lady, and run. <laughs> Or you try to do something else to think it's sufficient yeah. and it'll work. They end up in a big whale. Well. Like, <laughs> right. So he said, he said, go. And then he, and then she says, uh, where you stay, I will stay. Ah. Sometimes God says stay. Right? You're you're wanting to go. You you like, I'm tired of this situation, God. I'm done. I'm done. This is too hard. I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I don't want to, to um, be in this relationship anymore. It's just too hard. I don't want to uh, do do the job that I'm doing anymore, God. I just don't. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't. I don't want to be where I'm at. I want to be somewhere else. I want to be somewhere else. And God says, stay. He says, stay. He says, don't go anywhere else. Just wait. Wait. <coughs> And this is your people will be my people. Now that's completely forsaking everything she knew. She's cutting off the ties from her people, the people that she knows, the place she grew up, everything she's known, even up to this time, because she's lived there with her husband even, right, in that culture with those people. And now she's saying, no, I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to cut, I'm cutting off my people. I'm going to be, I'm going to have your people now. Whole new culture, whole new way of life. And then she says, your God will be my God. There you go. Your God will be my God. You know, these are, you know, she's obviously knew about Naomi's faith, right? I mean, Naomi is a Jew. She's an Israelite. I'm sure she's talked to her about God, the God of Israel. All this time she's been talking to her daughter-in-laws. And Oprah, of course, why she's called Stick-Neck-One, Neck one is because she chose not to go after that God, right? Mm -hmm. She chose to go back to her own God. You know, ladies, sometimes even though we know what's good, don't sometimes we pick what's bad? Yeah. We turn back and we go to the way that we used to go, even though it's like, <laughs> like the dog returning to their vomit. You know, it's mm -hmm. just not good for you. you know, it's not good. But you, make it, you choose to do that instead of going for what you know is right. So, she didn't do that, though. And then, on top of that, she says, where you die, I will die. Mm -hmm. And there I'll be buried. So, I'm, not, I'm just not going for a little while. I'm there for the long haul. Mm -hmm. I'm there forever until I die. No matter what, no matter what happens when we get there, I'm there with you until we die. 
And then she said, I'll even be buried there. Now remember, all the patriarchs, how when they died, they said, please take my bones back home, right? They all wanted their bones to be back home because everybody wanted to be buried back in the land where they were born with their people. But she's saying, no, I'm cutting it all off. I'm saying this is it. I choose God. I'm not choosing my little gods. I'm choosing the God of Israel. And I mean to continue it through the end, to the end. That's putting your face on the prize, right? That's like, right. Running the race. Running the race. That's what we need to do. We need to run the race. We need to run the race. And then when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined, <laughs> I guess she finally figured out. Because she's also saying, you know, curse me. She's actually calling a curse on herself. She says, if I don't do this, if only death separates me, then, you know, just deal with me severely, Lord. Do what you got to do, God. You know, she's calling a curse on herself if she doesn't do what she's saying. So she's, she's really putting it down and saying, look, I'm going to do this. I promise you I'm going to do this. And if I don't, then God can just deal with me severely. When we ask God to deal with us severely, ladies, we're being pretty, uh, <laughs> that's a pretty severe, I mean, that, you know, I don't want to fall into the hands of, a, 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 you know, God that's, um, that I did something against, right? Yeah. He's a, a good God and a loving God, but we don't want him to, we're saying deal with us, she's saying deal with me severely if I don't do what I said I'm going to do. So, yay, Ruth. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred. Okay, ladies, this was a little bitty town. <laughs> this was not a big town. It was a little town. It's not like, you know, if you walked into Las Vegas today, probably no one would notice. <laughs> Even if you've been gone for 10 years. Uh, except maybe your family. But the whole town was stirred. They were all like, wow, look, is that Naomi? Wow, she came back. After all this time, she came back. And they said, can this be Naomi? What does she say? <laughs> Right. Woe is me. Yeah, woe is me. Exactly. That's what she says. Doesn't she? Don't call me Naomi because what did Naomi mean? Pleasant. Pleasant and sweetness. And what does she say instead? Mara. Mara. Call me Mara. Bitter. 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 Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Mm. The Lord has afflicted me. He has brought misfortune upon me. Don't you just love it how everybody blames God for bad things? Yeah. <laughs> you know, God, everybody blames God for the bad things, don't they? You know, I mean, people that aren't even believe in God, sometimes they, you know, they say, God, well, I don't believe in a God that did this and this and this, but they never say, I do believe in a God that did all the good things. They just say, you know, they just say, I don't believe in a God that did all the bad things. So God gets the blame. You know, it wasn't God who said, go to Moab, right? No. It wasn't God that said that. They just chose to do that. And we have to live with the choices, right? With our choices, working with those choices. I really liked it too because it says, okay, so she was accompanied by Ruth, right? And everybody knew, by the way, that Ruth was a foreigner. There was no, you know, that was pretty obvious. Um, her daughter-in-law arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. But you notice how when Naomi comes into town, she says nothing about Ruth. Mm. Poor Ruth who's standing behind her. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Ruth that's standing behind her. She's just saying, whoa, whoa is me. They're like going, who's this? <laughs> Who's that behind you? What about her? You know, she came with you. She's helping you. She loves you. No, woe is me. It's a terrible, terrible life. Call me bitter. Call me bitter. 
And that's where we end chapter one with those proclamations. But you know, ladies, we just, uh, again, Naomi was at her lowest. She decided to go home. Mm -hmm. And that's what hopefully all of us do too when we get to our lowest is to go home and go, going home is to go to God. And it may not even be your lowest. It may just be a bad time. You just need to remember God's there. God was there. God was there for Naomi. And as we continue this amazing story of Ruth, we'll hear what happened. Um, but I would encourage you to read through it again if you haven't read through it yet and um, hear what happens. But what we're going to do now is we're going to divide into our groups and we're just going to discuss it some more. So I don't know, what rooms do we have, Michelle? Do you know what rooms we have? We have 217, 219, and um, the family room. How many? Okay. All right, let's do this. There. We can make more and more. Well, we can put two groups in here. So group number two, who has group number two? Can you, can you, you can meet right here, so just in there. Anybody else have a two? Okay, so if you guys can meet over here uh, in this area. Oh, you didn't get a number? Yeah. Oh, okay. So we'll, we'll figure it out. So if you, group two can go over here, and uh, Don, can you group two? And group three, who's group three? We've got a three. Okay, guys, you want to just meet in here, too? And um, Lori, can you meet with them? Okay, <laughs> 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 I'm going to go to the 